you, my friends, should be outraged over what's happened over the past few years. The lies, the tyranny, the dictatorship, the authoritarian-like autocratic regimes and which were basically imposed upon us with zero feedback from the public. We lied about science. We ruined children's education, stunted their growth for many, many years. We lost trust in institutions. And the effects over the past few years shall be felt for generations. This was, I believe, the biggest mishandling, one of the biggest mishandlings in modern history, perhaps ever. But now the fight is on again. What do you want your children's future to look like? What do you want your future to look like? Do you want it to be a group of officials in some weird office somewhere in the world in which no one really knows anything about these individuals? And do you want these individuals to arbitrarily decide as to when you can leave your house, as to when you can wear a mask, as to when and as to if you can do anything, you want a world in which you have no freedom, no autonomy, no power, a world in which you're told you'll have nothing and you'll be happy. That is what we're entering into. And the latest World Health Organization, very dystopian <laughs> kind of letter and announcement, reinforces this view. I don't like being overly conspiratorial about anything. But you cannot help being conspiratorial about these strange policies in which are being implemented by the World Health Organization, either it is mass corruption or it's some strange conspiracy theory. I tend to think that most things in the world are death by a thousand cuts. It's people wanting status, prestige, money, power, so on and so forth. And thus they join these organizations and are part of the cogs in comparison to someone in the back end of JP Morgan composing some sort of story to impose upon the world. But if you want to join the search for truth, check out Dantons.com. Or subscribe here on Rumble, on YouTube, anywhere. You can find our content in which we provide weekly, daily videos and content-related pieces, finding truth, seeking truth, and trying to make society a better place. And this is what the mainstream corrupted legacy fake media shall never tell you. The World Health, Organ the World Health Organization is basically going to take your powers so that they can arbitrarily lock down nations and impose their tyrannical restrictions upon you without any discussion within the supposed democracy. If it looks like tyranny, if it sounds like tyranny, if it smells like tyranny, it probably is tyranny. Let's check out this article by theconservativewoman.com, in which they note and outline the plans by the World Health Organization and Klaus Schwab. The article was labelled Fight This Sinister Power Grab by the Unelected, Unaccountable World Health Corrupted Organization, in which were very incompetent over the past few years, to say the least. It is important to understand that these are two separate and unrelated legal instruments, but individually and combined constitutes a major power grab and a serious threat to national and individual sovereignty from the unelected and unaccountable World Health Organization corrupted institution. There have been no national or international public comments or votes sought as part of the negotiation processes, and the public are considered not to be a relevant stakeholder in the largely secretive negotiation process at the World Health Assembly, the decision-making body of the World Health Organization. Yeah, I mean, the public's not a really big stakeholder, is it? It's only that you're going to lock us down again. It's only that you imposed over the past years tyrannical measures in which we've never seen before. Or, wait, we have seen in China. Huh. Yeah, the public. Really not big stakeholders here. Are you fucking kidding me? The article reads that unlike the proposed new pandemic treaty, which must be scrutinized by parliament before being ratified by the government, the IHR is already an instrument of international law, which is legally binding on 196 countries. As such, any adopted amendments will require no UK parliamentary scrutiny or vote. All proposed amendments will simply be adopted at the 77th World Health Assessment Meeting in May 2024 if the majority of countries 
representatives vote yes. So basically what you have here, and this is why people have distrust within today's age, what you have here is a really important, majorly important instrument, policy, and which is supposedly seemingly going to be implemented in May 2024. We've had no announcement from the corrupted fake legacy media news in which is dying as we speak. We've had no announcement from any uh, political leaders or officials. We've had no announcement from anyone. And the only way you're going to find this is through this new medium of media, the individual one-to-one -one connection. Channels like this, companies like this, in which we have a duty, we provide the truth. We're currently in month 11, into the 18-month period, within which UK government has the right to reject any of the five amendments adopted in May 2022. To reject an amendment, the government is required to actively invoke Article 61 of the existing IHRs before the deadline passes. So what does this actually entail? Is this just a radical conspiracy theory? Many of the proposed amendments are of deep concern, reads the article. These include making the World Health Organization emergency guidance legally binding, upgrading from the current advisory status on member states and their people, and simultaneously removing the current clause requiring the World Health Organization to uphold full respect for the dignity, the human rights, and fundamental freedoms of individuals. That does not sound dystopian at all. Just repeat that again. There is a clause removing the necessity for the World Health Organization to uphold full rights for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of the individual. So basically, if they want you to wear a mask, they're going to tell you to wear a mask, and you cannot do anything about it. But it gets worse, because people say, well, there's no, you know, mask is a mask, I'll wear it. But that's a slippery slope. Then they're going to tell you, you need jab one, you need jab two, you need jab two, you need jab five, you need jab 77, you need jab 556 millionths. This is the issue. Tyranny is a slippery slope. And this is why people should be outraged, especially when we look at the corruption over the past few years, especially when we look at the incompetence over the past few years when it came to locking down the world for a virus. Other proposed amendments empower the World Health Organization Director General single-handedly to declare a public health emergency of international concern, the definition of which could be expanded to include potential as opposed to actual harm this unelected, unaccountable individual would have unprecedented levels of unfettered power and could dictate UK public health policy and restrict fundamental human rights and freedoms with no recourse. And by the way, I think just off my memory, as we speak, I recall him, this World Health Organization Director General, talking about climate change. Yes, as apparently the next crisis in which we're going to go into, which is just, by the way, entirely catastrophized beyond belief. Climate change has been... People have been calling for the world to end for many, many years, 40, 50 plus years. In fact, just to give you a clue of how corrupted the whole climate change agenda is and how much catastrophization has occurred back in the 1960s, 1970s, the 1980s, the whole agenda was upon global cooling. That was the whole plan, global cooling. And mainstream media outlets, people like Paul Ehrlich and Al Gore, who are still at the forefront of the climate agenda today, they back then were an advocation for global cooling, calling it the worst thing that could ever happen, we're all going to die. And now people like the World Health Organization director are calling this another crisis, the biggest crisis, despite the fact we've had a 98% reduction within climate-related deaths since the 1900s, despite the fact the greenhouse effect is actually a diminishing logarithmic effect in comparison to a superlinear or a linear effect. No one speaks about this. <laughs> the point that I'm making, as we'll get to later on, epistemology, which is the study of knowledge, knowledge generally, 
does not work via an undisputable dogma in which no one can debate, discuss, or call out alternative opinions. That is not how knowledge works. It never has worked like that. Knowledge, as we'll see later on, works by conjectures, debates, discussions. These were the principles ingrained within the United Material. And then when you see the whole organization conspicuously an advocation for disinformation campaigns or misinformation management, they're basically saying that if you disagree with us, we're going to ban you from the history of the world. Taken together, the amendments would empower the World Health Organization to issue legally binding requirements for the UK to mandate highly restrictive measures, such as lockdowns, masks, quarantines, border and closure, travel restrictions, medication of the individual, including vaccination, medical examinations, etc. This constitutes, the article reads, an existential threat to basic human rights, medical ethics, and doctor-patient relationships and must be opposed. And it's better than this. There is also a po policy push to amend the current agenda in order to facilitate the implementation of an international global health certification system, enabling nations to enforce travel restrictions using tools such as vaccine certifications, certifications for other sorts, testing, recovery certificates, so on and so forth. And further, there are amendments threatening free speech and seek to increase censorship of dissenting voices via mandation of a systematic global collaboration to counter dissent to official governmental or World Health Organization guidance. How great. And as I noted, and as we'll discuss later on, knowledge does not work as an undisputable dogma in which a group of officials make. Knowledge works and has worked throughout the history of the universe by, by the following kind of procedures. And this was written about within the Enlightenment material, in which we as sapiens individualistically actually fairly sick in the head. We're fairly stupid. But when we are within a large group and when we abide by these principles of free speech, discussion, debate, criticism, free thought, we can root out the falsehoods and collectively we can come to the truth. That is written about within the Enlightenment era. So to have the World Health Organization say that actually this opinion is not truth, it's basically Ministry of Truth, is what George Orwell wrote about. Make Orwell great again needs to be a great saying that we should reiterate. Just think about this for one moment for the other side of the political debate. Maybe, and many perhaps would argue, that in consideration of the increased in interconnectedness of the world today, something such as a pandemic or a virus is spreading. This could literally become fatal for the human species if we do not collaborate at scale. And I think there is some truth to this argument, namely the necessity to have interconnectedness between nations to mitigate against any potential lethal viruses or bioweaponry attacks. But as we'll get to, I, 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 I think this is far more sinister than that and poses too many tyrannical-like threats. In the chilling speech, the World Health Organization director spoke about his desire to use the policy to strengthen the control of a future pandemic policy, but stated that implementation of this new policy has been problematic to date, so enhancements are required. He argued that the world requires a different level of legal mandates, prioritizing actions that may restrict individual liberties, mandating and sharing of information, knowledge and resources, and providing funds to control efforts. Lamenting the means to carry out these actions are simply not currently at hand. Very concerning, to say the least. But just to oppose the people who in advocation of this policy, I think we should be sympathetic towards the corruption, the mishandling which we've seen over the past two, three, four, five years when it comes to the pandemic. We've seen a mishandling on a rating which is just unbelievable and unprecedented. We locked the whole world down for a virus in which I can't speak about in detail due to censorship online. But we locked down the whole world. We stunted economic development. We screwed over young children and stagnated their growth, which, I mean, which in itself has major implications. We locked people in their house, said they couldn't move, said they couldn't go anywhere, said they couldn't go outside. Millions of people killed themselves. What we can see now is a failure to learn from the past lessons of tyranny 
Failure to learn from the lessons of the individual. The individual during COVID, during the pandemic, felt restricted. They felt like they were under some sort of Chinese autocratic dictatorship. They felt they had no liberties. They felt that they were alienated if they did not want to go ahead with vaccination. What we saw over the past years is what you see in the, in, in, in the corrupted Soviet-like Union. And as I've noted in the past, thanks to the virus, we have the following consequences to deal with. Distrust in the fake news media, in which nobody believes anymore. Distrust in science and vaccinations. And now, if there is actually a virus of some sort and which is lethal, people are going to avoid vaccinations, including myself, in consideration of the hesitancy and the confusion and the overall the lies in which they told us. There is distrust within governments now giving rise to more conspiracy theories regarding dynamic powers and struggles, in which perhaps many of them are correct, to be frank. And the economy, too, is in utter confusion with high inflation, which, by the way, in itself shall lead towards an array of consequences alone, including men major mental health issues and mass suicide. And that is really just touching the surface. So when you speak about the pandemic, the events over the past few years, yes, this was one of the biggest mishandlings in the history of the universe, perhaps. It is clear to see that the impacts of locking down have literally had the impacts of, 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 of the actions and the policy over the past few years have literally had catastrophic consequences in which I don't believe specifically for the young generation shall be solved for many, many years, 10, 10, tens of years. And often time, the unforeseen consequences are far more damaging than the initial policy in response to the issue at hand. That is what people must understand. The unforeseen consequences are often far more damaging. And in the case of the pandemic, I think most certainly. This was, I believe, the greatest mishandling within modern history. End of. The tyranny, the lies, the censorship, all of this, this, these impacts shall be felt for generations. So for those who were in advocation for the World Health Organization, you must at least sympathize with individuals who are skeptical of radical policies being imposed by what seems to be an elite bunch of unelected officials. Under, under the new powers uh, that would be granted to the WHO by the amendment to the international health regulations, which only needs to be ratified by 50% of countries in the World Health um, Assembly, um, one of their new powers would be to insist to actually force member states to suppress misinformation and disinformation about, about health emergencies. But one of the things we've discovered is that a lot of the information we were getting from the government was not as um, unimpeachable as you might say. It was at least discussable as on the uh, use of masks and things like that. And there's now a lot of information saying they weren't as beneficial as we were being told. So you would have thought learning from what happened in the last three years Free speech is very important to get the right answers to um, knock down bad arguments. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're trying to understand something as complicated and fast moving as a new pandemic, it's important to let different voices be heard. Um, uh, it, but what the WHO did was to initially make a declaration which was inevitably provisional and then punish anyone who tried to dissent from it. So YouTube, for instance, were asked by the WHO to suppress anyone who contradicted the WHO's guidance. And as you said, they initially said people should not wear masks. That won't make a difference. And then the WHO guidance changed and said, no, you've got to wear masks. It was as they were telling YouTube to enforce one dictum and then changing their minds 24 hours later and telling YouTube to enforce another. Are we going to grant them that power over our national governments? Uh, because people in good faith didn't actually know at the beginning of the pandemic and information developed. One of the other things seems to me to be sinister is Article 15.1e. 
which requires that you should ensure solidarity with and prevent stigmatization of countries that report public health emergencies. Now that sounds to me as if you're not allowed to say the pandemic started in Wuhan um, from a laboratory, which there now seems to be very good evidence was the case. And of course, the WHO was very against people saying that at the beginning of the pandemic. Well, one of the worrying things, I think, about granting the WHO these draconian new powers is just how hugger-mugger it is with the Chinese Communist Party. We saw that when a WHO official back in 2020 pretended he couldn't hear when he was being introduced to a Taiwanese representative because he didn't want to risk recognizing Taiwan and antagonizing their masters in the Chinese Communist Party. But one of the really alarming things about these, this new treaty, Jacob, is that um, the Director General of the WHO will be able to grant himself all these powers. At the moment, they're just guidance, they're non-binding. But under the proposed change, they've become binding on the member states, binding on our government. He can grant himself those powers if he declares a public emergency. And there doesn't need to be any evidence of a public emergency. It could just be, in his view, a potential public emergency. We know he's trigger happy about making these declarations because he declared monkeypox a public emergency against the advice of the committee he had set up to advise him on public emergencies. And that turned out to be a complete damp squib. OK, so there are questions about giving the WHO powers. Are there any bits that you would welcome? For example, um, it makes it clear that countries can't impose uh, export bans on vaccines and things like that. And that obviously became an issue between the EU and the UK during the last pandemic. Isn't that the sort of thing where you'd want to have an international agreement that was enforceable in international law? Well, under these powers that the WHO wants to grant itself, not only would it uh, say to sovereign states, you cannot, you have to export, you can't hog these vaccines for your own people, even if you've spent their money on developing them, you have to share the IP potentially with commercial rivals in other countries. They just be, and, and there's a lot of vested interests in the WHO. I mean, it's not a democratically elected organization. They, they, for the most part, are the paid servants of various rich member states and corporate interests. So I don't trust them to kind of make uh, completely disinterested um, uh, interventions when it comes to things like the fair distribution of vaccines. But the and as Jacob Rees-Mogg touches upon, this, this term misinformation or disinformation this is such a horrific terminology and it basically reiterates the notion that there is a ministry of truth in which knows better than you knows better than me and they're going to dictate the truth they're going to say what you can and can't say they're going to tell you everything that you need to know and if you disagree if you have an opposing opinion you should be jailed as per the enlightenment era we have what i call a social contract within society in which is these notions of free speech debate discussion criticism free thought all of this is necessary for rooting out truth. One of the key values within the Enlightenment era is the necessity for progress to move society forward. But debate and discussion is fundamental for progress. Progress can only be achieved via debate, discussion, f reason, free speech, so on and so forth. And without this during the pandemic, tyranny pursues. Science is not an undisputable dogma. Science is something that constantly changes. Science is something that is constantly within debate. Science is an ongoing process. So to solely say that we are the science, and therefore insisting that we are the only body in which can be trusted, this is a recipe literally for disaster. And this is literally what Orwell noted within his writings, which every single young person must read. Orwell noted the fact that there is a ministry of truth within his dystopian but seemingly more reality-based version of the world. 
And this ministry of truth is incredibly dangerous. It limits what you can say, it limits what you can think, it limits what you can do. And that is what we saw over the past few years. And there seems to be a re-emergence of this necessity for the ministry of truth. Just on Twitter alone, and on YouTube, and on many other platforms, including Facebook, reputable doctors, people whom spoke out against perhaps their confusion of certain policies in terms of their efficacy, including that of lockdowns or masks, whatever it was, people whom debated or were confused or questioned. These people were banned, despite the fact that they've been studying these issues and, and debates and areas for their whole life. This is stuff you see in China. This is stuff you see. So furthermore, there is another interesting article, article I want to read by the Daily Skeptic, in which notes the debate around this whole argument of the World Health Organization's policies and their confusion regarding the necessity of this. We are told, according to the article, in a world of multiplying health emergencies, it has become a necessity to give up, to give up some independence in return for safety. And this article basically provides a few reasons as to why we should dispute these policies. Firstly, the World Health Organization is not independent and is majorly privately directed. What could go wrong? Huh. And this is what has confused me about the left in recent times. The left used to be those who were anti-corporatistic, who were confused and had some... and basically held those to account who were greedy capitalists. And they recognised the skewed incentive structures which were at play throughout society. But within the case of gender ideology and transgenderism, within the case of the pandemic and vaccinations, within the case of blood health organisation, for example, the left has no issue with basically ignoring all the skewed incentives and which can come from privatisation and two important policy decisions in which few people have mass amounts of power. Early World Health Organization funding was dominated by assessed contributors from countries based upon their national income, and the World Health Organization decided how to use this core funding to achieve their greatest impact. But now the funding is specified, in which is referred to, meaning that the funder may decide how and where the work will be done, the World Health Organization has become a conduit through which a funder can implement programs from which they stand to benefit. These funders are increasingly private entities. The second largest funder of the World Health Organization is the foundation of a software entrepreneur and a farmer investor. In ceding power to the World Health Organization, a state will be ceding power to the funders of the World Health Organization. They can then profit by imposing the increasingly centralized and commodity-based approach that the World Health Organization is taking. Secondly, the article writes that people in democracies cannot be subject to dictatorships. The World Health Organization rightly represents all countries. This means that members' states run by military dictatorships or other non-democratic regimes have an equal say about the World Health Assembly and the World Health Organization's body. In ceding power to the World Health Organization, democratic states are therefore sharing their decision-making power over the health of their citizens with these non-democratic states, some of which will have geopolitical reasons to restrict the movement of a democratic state's people and harm its economy. While equal say in policy may be appropriate in some cases, ceding actual power over citizens to such an organization is incompatible with a democracy. And thirdly, the World Health Organization is not accountable to those whom it seeks to control. Democratic states have systems which allow those to will power over citizens to wield it at the citizens' will and are subject to independent courts for issues or gross misconduct, so on and so forth. This is necessary to address corruption which basically always arises, but within the case of the World Health Organization, they do not oper operate upon this. They are unelected, they are not accountable, and there's no method of holding them to account in, in, in response to the commentaries and concerns of the individual. Similarly to other branches of the UN, the World Health Organization is answerable to itself 
and the geopolitics of the World Health Authority. But the article notes that no one has been held accountable or will be held accountable for a quarter million of children whom were estimated to have died by the policies that the World Health Organization promoted in South Asia. None of the up to 10 million girls forced into child marriage by the World Health Organization policies are going to have any path of redress. Such lack of accountability may be accepted if an institution is simply giving advice, but it's completely unacceptable for any institution that has power to restrict, mandate, or even censor a country's citizens. So pretty much this is one organization in which is unelected officials, in which has the capabilities to rule over your life arbitrarily. They are imposing measures in which comparable to what we see within the autocratic Chinese Communistic Party. What could go wrong? Unfortunately, centralization through the World Health Organization is a poor policy by incompetent people. Before the influx of private money, the World Health Organization's their focus was on high burden endemic infectious diseases. In response to trying to solve these prior issues, the World Health Organization had a more decentralized fo focus, which took into consideration people's culture, their knowledge, behavior, so on and so forth. The World Health Organization once emphasized such decentralization, advocating for the strengthening of primary care, but there are more centralized approaches to health in contrast, which have required communities and individuals to comply with diktats that ignore local communities and priorities. Both human rights and effective interventions require local knowledge and direction. The World Health Organization pushed mass COVID vaccination onto sub-Sahara Africa for nearly two years through one of its most expensive programs to date, whilst knowing at large a majority of the population were already immune, half were under 20, and deaths from AIDS, from malaria, tuberculosis, and HIV and AIDS absolutely dwarfed COVID-19 mortality. The organization staffs two, the article reads, really experts. Experience in the 09 swine flu and West African Ebola outbreaks demonstrated this. Many have spent decades sitting in an office with minimal experience in program implementation or practice disease management. So overall, does this make sense to cede our powers away from the individual, the self, towards towards an unelected, unaccountable foreign and 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 and, and I would say an organization which has a terrible track record specifically over the past few years, when an institution has limited expertise and a poor track record, when they're directed by private interests and influences by authoritarian governments. This is obviously to counter what a government in a democracy is supposedly meant to do. So let me know your thoughts. This is obviously, I think, one of the biggest policies that we must focus upon in recent time. Are we going to yield our power away from the individual and give it towards an organization such as the World Health Organization, and which is foreign, authoritarian, many argue, similarly has private investors behind it in which we aren't necessarily aware of. It seems far too sketchy in my opinion. So thank you so much for watching. If you do want to find the truth and seek the truth, you can check our show out in fulldondantons.com or you can subscribe here on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify and all other platforms for more. Thank you and I'll see you soon.